Do you ever feel like you're always on? What do you do when you need a moment to chill? How would you like to hit the reset button to get ready for what's next? These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nothing but nonstop hustle all the time. Sometimes you just need a moment to turn off and hit reset, and that's when you can reach for Coors Light. It's made to chill. Look, it's summertime. Transfer window is coming up. It's gonna get crazy. So if you ever just wanna, again, take a step back and relax, read the transfer rounds, read the gossip rumors, grab a Coors Light. It'll be perfect companion for all those transfer merry-go-rounds. There's only one beer out there that's literally made to chill, and that's Coors Light. The mountains on the bottles and cans even turn blue when the beer is cold. That way you always know when it's time to chill. When you need to hit reset, just open a Coors Light. It's mountain cold refreshment made to chill. Now that it's finally hot in Minnesota, I'm gonna be looking for an easy beer to drink, and Coors Light is perfect for that. It's lagered, it's cold filtered, and it's cold packaged. It's, again, made to chill. It's crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies perfect for a moment to unwind and so when you want to hit reset reach for the beer that's made to chill get coors light in the new look delivered straight to your door with drizzly or instacart coors brewing company golden colorado and as always celebrate this is Cesar Pliqueta. this is william this is ali riley hi this is ruben off the cheek and you're listening to the london is blue podcast Welcome back, Chelsea fans, to another episode of the London Is Blue podcast, your home for all things Chelsea FC. Nick, Dan, and I cover all of Chelsea's latest matches, team news, and even throw you some exclusive interviews. Thank you for being an awesome listener, and with no further delay, let's jump right in. Welcome back, Chelsea fans. This is part two of the... uh, Manchester City post breakdown. I wasn't going to use the the other way you use the word post, Dan, when you're uh, reviewing things that have already happened. You, you know what I'm talking about? Like a post match synopsis. Yeah, we can go with that. Postmates, uh, the, the delivery <laughs> app. It's a it's a caviar moment tonight, Nick. I'm going to order some fried chicken sandwiches. Why not? That sounds good. Brandon hasn't eaten yet, so let's continue to make him hungry. <laughs> Yeah, how many more food references can we bring in here, Mike? <laughs> yeah, really appreciate the support, you guys, uh, as I'm sitting here at 7.30, just ready to go. But more importantly, Mike, our friend, our, our dear troller in the text while we record, welcome <laughs> to the microphones. Hey, hi, guys. What, what <laughs> well, happened today? <laughs> hey, I'm here to play nice now that I'm on uh, I'm on live. <laughs> oh, no, I mean, I, I'll gladly punch Dan if he brings up more Patriots uh, <laughs> stats to help us feel better about today. All right. Well, as just to you know, give you guys an insight of this episode, it is all about uh, your questions from social media. Uh, and then obviously getting highlighted are our Patreon members who get their questions asked. And again, this is all related to Manchester City, Chelsea Football Club, anything you guys want. So to get involved, make sure you follow us on social media. We always ask for questions after the match. And uh, to make sure your question gets answered, head on over to Patreon and join up there. Because, man, especially after a match like this, Dan, there are no shortage of questions and pitchforks and torches. Am I right? Well, there's, I don't think the pitchforks and torches are actually real. I think they're more of a figurative nature. Um, it's a, a literary device being um, you know employed there. But I, what I will say, Patreon, real quick, is uh, Christian, Shane, and Janique, all three who are Patreon members, had a chance to meet up today, 
And that was at least a positive moment for them as members of the New York City Blues uh, went to the football factory, had some tequila and some Smithwicks to drown the sorrows. But Schmidicks, not Smithwicks. Thank you, Nick. Schmidicks. <clears throat> I'm, reading, I'm reading it as it is spelt. Um, Smith, dare I say, it's the Smithwicks. Hmm, yes. Yeah, you got to drink well, it with but, your pinky up. Yeah. But let's just talk about the fact that, again... Lone Blue Pod, even in moments of crisis, bringing people together. And that was wonderful to see. All right. Well, positivity stops there. No, I'm only kidding. Uh, super jealous. <laughs> I want to get out there and uh, take in a match at the football factory because I haven't done it yet. So this might surprise you, but our first question from Stu and Bucci and Vinesh on, on Patreon saying, can we still make the top four? Plus, are we entering a reality where the club is merely top six? How do we stop the regression? And finally, can it get any worse? I mean, if there is no better way to bring Mike <laughs> into the podcast, guys, I don't know how else we can do it. Can we put yeah. on hazmat suits before he starts speaking? Because I feel like there's just a radioactive... Let's cut this shit out. We'll, we'll stop right here. Uh I mean, I don't even think it's fair to say regression because, you know, we weren't top four last year, so we're pretty much sitting, you know, while we're in sixth currently, you know, we're a fifth, sixth-place team, just as we were under Conte. Um, can we finish top four? Yes, it's possible. Current form, no. Um, I do think that Iguain was a, a, the, a bright spot today. I thought he had really good movement. I thought he had some great shots. Um Ran more than I've seen most of our strikers running this season. So, you know, maybe on another day something might have happened. But um, I don't know. It kind of all comes down to do we have – is it 11 matches or 12 matches left? Mike, you're, you're actually just banned from the show now since you don't 12. Uh, great. 12. Yeah, I mean, I'm holding out hope. I don't think that we will, but – I will hold on hope to the very end, which is probably five games out. But <laughs> <laughs> at, least, at least you admitted it. I'll hold out hope until I don't hold out any more hope. That's no, no. I just mean that we'll probably mathematically not be able to finish top four five games out. But. No, there it oh, is. So you're saying by you're, you're saying at what thirty three games into the you know, into the season, we will be mathematically eliminated from top four potentially. Yeah. Mm. No, no, no. Like, <laughs> I mean, that's that's what the comment was. Yeah, I was just yes. saying. I was throwing out numbers. Come on. All right. Well, so what I think here is, yes, mathematically, we could still make top four, but a lot of things have to happen. I think the the more damning accusation and claim being leveled against the club right now is that you know we we essentially are a Europa League team, and that's probably the hardest pill to swallow in my mind is that we have gone from being really a European powerhouse for you know what was the last you know decade plus and now we're just kind of competing for you know to play against Malmo and to play against you know all these other sides that are you know not what you would consider the elite of Europe anymore and I think right now, Nick, like the club has to make a decision. Is Are they comfortable with that? And can they financially put themselves in a situation that that's okay? Um, or are they going to put a flag in the sand and say, you know what? Like, that's not acceptable to us. We want to be in the Champions League again next season. And we have to make that happen by any means possible. Wait, are you saying we're a Europa League club just because we are literally playing in the Europa League? 
I mean, clearly we're better than the Europa League teams. Yeah, yeah I'm saying we, we yeah, we're, we're a Europa League club because we are playing, you know, in Europa League. Like our talent gotcha. level, you know, our talent level is of that of like, you know, the Napoli slash, you know, Chelsea level. I mean, there's, there's only so many sides in Europa League that I think could actually like go out and win it, right? And, you know, ultimately like we are in the top one or two teams that should win the Europa League, but... Um, we are a Europa League team because we are in the Europa League. Right. I mean, we obviously don't have a history or like a pattern of, oh, this is where we're at now for the next five years or anything like that. I mean, clearly our oh. pedigree has has had us. We've only been in the Europa League, what, like twice in the last six years or something like that? I mean. Well, no, this will be the Three third. times if we count. Yeah, third year. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, going, but my point is like, you know, it. largely overall, we're. We we are you know normally a much bigger club than Europa League, right? Since, and so, like you since, said, the, the club since, needs to get it back to that level. Since 2012, our average league position is fourth. Do with that what you will. I like well, but you're also you're also taking into account the tenth place finish, mm-hmm. which I yeah. think skews it skews it downward significantly from an average standpoint. It does, and it also includes the two times that we finished first. So, like, you can't have one without the other, like. Our average league position since 2012 is fourth. Like, it's not a Europa League position, admittedly, but when you look at the landscape, Manchester United, like, honest honest to God, got lucky to win the Europa League last year to get back into the Champions League. Like, th- this is the the landscape of the, the top six of the Premier League now. Like, I don't think any anybody except for City are immune from from finishing below the top four. Like, I think Liverpool could easily collapse next year. I think that even though they're built a little bit stronger than maybe we are right now, I think Spurs always have the ability to collapse. They are serial bottlers. Uh, United are on a really nice run here and have all the resources in the world to to be you know league winners, but haven't consistently proven it since Sir Alex Ferguson left. Arsenal chokers, but currently ahead of us <laughs> on you know on just name alone and and alphabetical order, but like. Every single team, bar City, is is vulnerable to dropping out of the Champions League places. So, like, I, you know, I, I think that's just where it is. That's where we live. And unless we're going to, you know, do all of the things that I think have made Manchester Manchester City so successful over the last uh, 10 years or so, uh, and all the building that happened before Pep got there, uh, then you know I, I don't think there's a way to ever assure yourself that you're going to be in the top four. Like it's it's so competitive that this is unlike any league in the world. Okay, well moving back on, so let's continue the the fight for top four, even though it is not looking a real strong fight right now, and and see how the club will react in not only right now, you know, for the rest of the season, but also in the summer. Uh, so next up again, sticking to Patreon. From Claire, Jake, and Jacob. Sorry's challenge moving forward. So Claire's saying if there's a way back. Jake saying is there there doesn't seem to be an issue with all with the lost locker room. And Jacob asking when and if the, the starting eleven will finally change. You know, Dan, there's just a lot of issues with you know, we saw some change over the, the busy holiday period from Rizio. Uh, uh you know, just a little bit. Um now we're trying to figure out how do we get you know, how does Maurizio, who is self-admittedly not sure how to motivate these players, how do you get them to rebound when they're at their lowest point of the season? 
Uh, and then, you know, I mean, is he going to go to rotation? Is he going to take some of those guys out of the firing line? Do you think that he's going to just stick them right back in and say, nope, uh, you got to show up the next game and, and dig yourself out? Things would be really interesting to, to, you know, to see what what his reaction is as a manager after something so catastrophic. Yeah, it will tell us a lot. And, you know, there was a nice rebound opportunity after the last time we lost in such capacity. When we lost 4-0 to Bournemouth, we had Huddersfield to follow up and, that was nice, and heading into Europa League and playing against Malmo in the midweek fixture coming up here is a nice rebound opportunity, but it's not just about the next one match, and it can't be. I mean, I think that we do have to approach the Europa League matches the and then every Premier League game as if it's a, a final. There means to be a mentality that, you know, losing any points between now and the end of the season, you know, we, we have to maximize every possible opportunity to finish top four, to win a trophy and to salvage the remaining part of the season here. And uh, I loved Jake's comments where he was asking about the fact that there's not really a ton of drama, you know, at least coming from the locker room or coming from the players, no text message firings. Uh, and his one, even William's daughter hasn't had a go at sorry on Instagram. Um, you know, so, you know, Mike, like, ultimately, I don't think it's a lost locker room. I think the players are trying to do implement sorry system. But at this point, like they're the, you know, the rigidity needs to, to, you know, make way for the practicality of actually just going out and winning football matches. Yeah, you know, <clears throat> I, I kind of have to agree with you. I, I think this is a, it's a weird story narratively. Um are, are we even sitting here having this conversation had, uh, you know, had sorry not been very open and, you know, just pulled stuff out of his ass like Mourinho did and just talked about, you know, just talked about nothing or, or you know, something else. Like we're talking about a lost locker room because, you know, sorry, admittedly has talked about it and it's become this big thing. So it's just a weird like to me, it's uh, I have I have trouble wrapping my head around it. I think it's, you know, like a lot of like Nick was saying earlier with him focusing and saying about my football and a lot of other people focusing on things to me, like, you know, I look at the scoreline. Um, I think that we're, we're a weird team in which, you know, admittedly, like you said, like mentality, you know, you, you, everybody needs to be making all every game, every single game matter as if it's the biggest game of the season. And yet mentality, uh, a stalwart of what we've had in the past seems to be what we're lacking the most of. So make, you know, how do you, how do you rise to the occasion when we've failed to do that? Um, but yeah, it, it's, it's a weird situation because I think admittedly we were, we were poor today. Um, but uh, you know, City's a good team, but I think we made them look really, really, really good. We really gifted them some stuff. I thought, you know, it's tough. I think it's we're in bad spots, but I, I don't think it's as bad as it feels right now. But, you know, Nick, it's hard to kind of try and sort this out because there's no apparent solution. Yeah, I mean, all we can do is kind of react, uh, honestly. Um, I thought we did a lot of that in part one, but... <laughs> Um, my, my my main take out of part one essentially was, you know, that his his comments over the last couple of weeks have dealt with the phrase "my football," you know, and to me, all all the Chelsea managers who have come and gone before him, 
Um, I don't know if I've ever, you know, I know, I know Mourinho said that the players betrayed his system and that there have been, uh, you know, Conte had a few select words along the way, but um, I think if, if you're prioritizing your football over everything else, then your football better deliver everything that, um, it, you know, the, all the goals that Chelsea have set out, you know, if, if you're, if, that's if that's what you want to do if that's your approach to it you have to deliver otherwise you know look i i i like sorry i like his honesty but the results are the only things that matter at chelsea it is it is a strict um results-based business at this club you don't get a lot of time here and you know i respect people who are confident in their own system i, I respect people that you know, I, he's obviously done a good job at other places, but it's it's about doing it here and it's about doing it with the players that we have at our disposal. And if, if you don't, you know, you, you will be one of the many people that is on the laundry list of, of people that Roman Abramovich has fired. So it's it's a pretty simple way to break it down when you look at it like that. All right. Well, um, as we kind of tra- transition away from Rizzo for a little bit, I'm going to go ahead and take a quick break uh, so we can get this ad play in before we run out the rest of it. Uh, so when we get back, I will tell you guys what Jody Morris said is the one positive out of this game. We're right back. All right, so you're listening to this podcast right now, London is Blue, and guess what? We host our podcast on Anchor.fm. That's right. If you're looking to host your own podcast, this is the easiest free way to get started. This has got a content creation tool that allows you to record and the podcast right from a phone. That's right. Don't even need a computer, but you can do it there too. They'll also help you distribute it, which is probably the most challenging part. You don't want to have to mess with that. They got you covered. You can get it right on a Spotify and Apple podcast, as well as any other place podcasts are found. And you know what? You can monetize it too. Make a little cash for sharing your great content with the world. It's everything you need to make a podcast all in one individual place. So you know what? Head over to your app store, download the Anchor app, or head to anchor.fm to get started if you're ready to launch your podcast and make it happen. All right. So what Jody Morris tweeted after the match, he said, the only positive to take out of, out of that is that it should have been 10. And so, Dan, that's where we landed after this, is it? It was only six. We've been going about this the entirely wrong way today. It was not a negative. It was actually a positive that we could control City to only six goals. Well, I think City need to look at themselves, too, and realize they were only two goals better than Bournemouth. And that's a pretty <laughs> you know, shocking uh, shocking stat right there. They didn't, you know, really. That's is, great. You know, Pep, Pep's just a, uh, you know. A shaved head Eddie Howe with two more goals in his back pocket. So, boom, boom, roasted city, get on it. What now? Um, but no, in all seriousness, we do have Malmo coming up, which is kind of nice that we can not talk about what just happened. So, uh, moving forward, this is coming from uh, Aerith Muggle. Uh, Nick asking, what's the plan to beat Malmo? And then we've got Dawson on Twitter saying, should we start resting players in the Premier League games for the Europa League? And at Lamb underscore Belletta saying, don't y'all think we should really focus on winning the Europa League now? So so, so just to set the scene, Nick, right? You've got Malmo, you've got um, United in the FA Cup, then you've got Malmo return leg, and then you've got City in the Carabao Cup final, right? So that's, that's the next four games we're looking at here. <laughs> um. The plan to beat Malmo. <laughs> that's a really that's a great question. It like 
you know, I'd be like Charlie Day and It's Always Sunny where he's like pointing at like the conspiracy theory map and, and he's like, yeah, um, that that's in my head right now. Uh, I, the, the problem that we have right now is that if if our best 11 or, or even our best 13, you know, the, the, the two subs that we usually make are not able to master Sari's system, and that's what he's most concerned with, then I'm not sure player rotation is the way to go. Like, clearly, from a rest perspective, that has to happen. But if we're not seeing consistent with consistency with our best and brightest, you know, I, I don't know what to do. Like, ideally, of course, you'd see Emerson. You'd see Cal Mutsunadoy. Uh, you'd see William. You'd see, you know, uh, Ruben Loftus-Cheek, um, who I think now kind of has to be first choice over Barkley uh, for some of these substitute appearances. Um, but, you know, I really don't... You'd see Christensen, you know. If, if we make all those subs on our current form, we might be able to beat Malmo, but that's not saying a whole lot, and I'm not sure that uh, that has to be our priority either. I mean, it, uh, unless we're giving up on the league. You know, the, getting fourth is the easiest way to get back into Champions League, not winning the Europa League. <laughs> Um, until that's mathematically impossible and the league is out of our hands, like that has to be our approach, Dan. That's at least my take. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I guess the the challenge is right is that you know I, I think the type of talent we're going to play in the Premier League versus the likelihood that we're going to play what you would deem, and again, you would deem this in all naturality, but has not always been the case for Chelsea this season. You would deem that Europa League matches should be against a easier level of competition but we've proven that at times we can't beat a hapless Southampton team and even score a goal against them at home so yes I I agree that getting back into Champions League should be as easy as finishing in the top four which at a certain point this season we were 11 points ahead of the team that is now one point ahead of us Manchester United and very much in control of our own destiny and have watched that slip away slip away and slip away I think it's probably going to be imperative that we do not allow the Europa League games to be feel like has to be fielded with the intent that this is you know option one A and one B to getting back into you know into Champions League that Europa League and Premier League matches have an equal level of importance between now and the end of the season, whereas you might have been willing to say. You know that the rotation element, or getting youth players integrated, or giving chances. Maybe if we, you know, go to Malmo in match one and beat them six nil, you know, because we just seem to rotate the the script, right? Lose four nil to Bournemouth, beat Huddersfield by multiple goals. Uh, you know, lose to City six nil. We should now beat Malmo like by you know fifteen to nil. So like, there, there's probably some level of like back and forth that would be okay here, um, as long as we then go don't go to play United and lose in the FA Cup against them, Mike. Yeah. We're struggling. We're not playing well. But, you know, let's not be hyperbolic in the statement that we aren't, we haven't at least had decent runs in Europe. You know what I mean? We're very much of a bipolar team. And and obviously it probably relates to competition and everything else. Um, But, you know, I'm not concerned right now about Malmo. It's, you know, it's a two-leg affair. I think we'll do fine. Um, we'll have a lot of anger to take out on a poor Swedish team. 
Um, it's going to be cold, but you know, who cares? So overall, <laughs> my concern is that, um, beating Malmo somehow expectations will ju- jump sky high again. And we'll just kind of fall back into this trap of a bit of a roller coaster of a season that we've had, you know, beating Malmo will mean nothing just as much as losing to United in the FA cup potentially, well, you know what I mean? We, we just have to try and, and stay the course and stay steady. And and while it sucks that United was 11 points behind us and, and we had, you know, all the opportunities to write our own destiny, we're still a point behind. So until we continue to drop more points in the league, I think we should try to, you know, I don't know, keep the hope and the faith that, uh, I don't know, maybe we'll figure things out. Right, but now you have to, as a club, you have to have a strategy. Is the best approach to go after top four or is it to go all in on Europa League? I mean, Jose did it a few years ago with United. I don't, think, I don't United. think we're there yet. What do you I mean? I think we, I think we can play the, we can rotate as we were, uh, for in in the Europa League. See how the first light goes, and and we'll, I think we'll play some youth. I think you'll see Calum Hudson Adoy. I think we'll see if we can, you know. I think players will get a rest, and if you know, you might see uh, Hazard come off the bench. You might see you know a couple other players come off the bench depending on the situation but i i don't know i think we'll probably try and play it a little bit safe with some youth and see if we can't you know get wins there while getting prepared for a bigger competition or you know what we might assume is a bigger competition in the fa cup Mm. i think it's it's tough i mean they're all cup competitions this week it's all knockout obviously fa cup is you know lose your out yeah yeah. Malmo, I mean, you have a second leg, right? I mean, you always have the return leg. But it'll be interesting to see. I mean, look, he's got to juggle a lot. The next two weeks are brutal from a man management standpoint, assuming that everyone stays healthy, you don't have any injuries. I mean, then you're absolutely screwed if, if something like that happens. Yep. Uh, so Yannick, our buddy, our boy, uh, also has a Chelsea podcast, uh, met up and hung out with him in London asking this. Uh, question, Conte was the tailor, and once again, won a title in pragmatic Chelsea fashion. I believe the club should persist in long-term evolution, but will the club? Has pragmatism run out anyway in terms of lack of coaches? May as well continue development and add players. So I don't know how you feel, Dan, and I don't know if you've uh, weighed into the the nickname realm for Maurizio, uh, if uh, <laughs> Conte was the tailor, because Sure shit, Maurizio is not a tailor. I mean, have you seen those pajamas he wears every week on the sideline? Um, what do you think in the idea of cl- long-term club evolution? I mean, that to me, that's just something that Chelsea have never really done under Abramovich. Long-term is not a thing. Like, making money long-term is, but winning is here and now. Well, what I will say is if you were thinking about a nickname, and uh, I'll go a, a little nerdy, but you could go with the comic book. Uh, it's a DC comic book character called The Question because Sorry has a lot of questions but not so many answers today. So that potentially could be a good uh, nickname for him. Um, here's, here's the reality, right? Like we sack managers on the regular. Managers don't agree with our club strategy or or lack thereof. And ultimately, you're going to run out of talent, right? You would there's if you argue that there's only so many like great like strikers in the world, like you could even pull that back and say there's only so many wonderful world class managers available. And at this point, seeing the way that Mourinho has left, Conte has left, and now 
sorry potentially could you know leave um or what his term will kind of equate to what manager is really going to look at this job and be like man obviously money talks right and we might pay more for substandard talent or pay more to attract someone to the position but if you're valuing job stability if you want you know to come to the premier league and, and play and in, in, in the top side there's probably more attractive opportunities than the one that we're going to put in front of managers and so you know when you look at what's going to have to happen next it's probably those you know whether it be frank whether it be jody whether it be jt with his time that he's doing aston villa there's probably some thought in the back of the club's mind that that would hopefully be the next strategy right you know you're going to run out of this revolving door of top quote-unquote managers and want them to be you know take over the position win a couple things and then head out as soon as the results turn sour i mean i think winning is the most attractive thing uh, about chelsea from time to time not the football and i would trade you know one nil victories um for a pretty style of football at this point uh you know a thousand times to one nick yeah i i, I agree i i think the the thing that I was so incredibly drawn to Chelsea about uh, when I first, you know, kind of paid attention, geez, uh, fourteen years ago, uh, or a little, little bit less, thirteen years ago, was the never say die fight to the end. You know, um, take on all comers, no matter how much talent they have. Like it's that attitude. It's that. It's that spirit. Like, that's what I was drawn to. Not, not the fact that we played the most attractive football, or that we, you know, at times we were, were overly pragmatic. I mean, we were certainly not always playing to our footballing potential as a, as a club over the last twenty years. But uh, you know, I think they prioritized what it took to win over you know everything else. And um, I am all for a more attractive style of football if it means that that heart and resilience and fight when things go wrong is still there. I will not sacrifice those things for an attractive style of football. Uh, that's how I feel about it, and I know that there are, there are going to be people who call me you know, uh, a lot of names or tell me that I'm living in the dark ages, and fair enough, but... Uh, I know a proven approach when I see one, and I'm not convinced that um, you know trying to be Barcelona light or Man City light or any of these things is going to continue to win us trophies. Brandon, that's that's just frankly how I feel about it. Well, I mean, that is fair. We do, we know as Chelsea fans do like a nice little trophy here and there. Um, as we kind of continue down this, I know Jorginho gets singled out a lot. And we kind of talked about in the first part with, you know, Mike Ryan talking about how he, when we bought him, he was supposed to be the key to Sorry Ball. Everything runs through him. Well, unfortunately, uh, at Jan underscore Jin saying, how did Jorginho survive that? Did I miss anything positive from him? And then Naz Kinsillas tweeted, just looking at the individual stats from Man City 6-0 Chelsea. I don't know why I had to put the score in there. I mean, come on, Naz. Seriously. Uh, Jorginho only registered 83.3 pass completion. Again, another mismatch 
leads to a bad display for him. He needs the Chelsea band to be in tune to show his attributes off. Did win 57.1% of his seven duels, though. So, I mean, you know, Nick, coming back to this with Jorginho, obviously he is a central player in this system. Uh, you know, if you, If people aren't on the same page as him, then it doesn't work. But that's what you're supposed to do every week in training is get people on the same page so that when Jorginho gets the ball, A, he knows where to look, and B, the players around him know what options to give him. And if that's not there because he knows he needs to get the ball off his foot as quickly as he can, and if the options aren't there, he can't be effective. And if he can't be effective, he'll end up giving the ball away in a bad situation because what he needed wasn't there. Like, I understand why, but the concern is, why aren't people on the same page? It's February 10th. I agree. I mean, you're 100% right. I think the one thing that I noticed at the beginning of the season that isn't really happening anymore um, is he he was the orchestra conductor at the beginning of the year when, you know, kind of, I think everyone was kind of figuring it out. Um, and there were times at the beginning of the year that, I think we played some relatively attractive football and that the, the team seemed to uh, be m- clicking more and more into the system. I've seen him, you know, from a body language standpoint, not look great. And then also stop really conducting. You know, I think he, he probably feels like, Hey, it's February 10th. Everyone should know where to be. You know, I should, I shouldn't have to do this, but uh, I think on the, on the flip side of that argument, I don't think JT ever stopped leading. Um, you know, if he's supposed to be, you know, any, you know, any one of our hundred managers when he was at the captain of the club's representative on the pitch, he never stopped leading, even though players would make mistakes or do stupid things. And, and, you know, that's just a part of being a leader. Um, you know, is you, you have to, you know, if someone's not in the position, you got to talk. I don't see this team talking at all. Um, and I think that's part of having some, some passive leadership and, Hazard and N'Golo Conte and people who lead by example is unfortunately you have to talk to each other. You know, you, you can't just shrug your shoulders, Mike. Yeah, well, you know, <clears throat> for the midfield to talk to the back four, they'd actually need to be close to them, right? So, <laughs> tactically, you know, who knows what's going on with that? You know, I think to me, Jorginho is falling into that, you know, kind of a lot of that blame that we, we looked at. You know, Sesk in the the bad fifteen sixteen season. I think um, it's very obvious at this point that Premier League games are won and lost in the midfield. And if you can control it, it's great. And if you can't, uh, it, you're going to be you know very very much exposed. And and at this point, trying to do what we're doing with a single man in the middle of the field pushing up. You know, as we've said, both Conte and Barkley. Or whoever is on, you know, whoever is on the left, who's ever on the right, a single man can't cover, you know, an entire midfield. So, I think this to me is where we're not setting ourselves up for success. And I think um, with different tactics or, or, or a different formation, you could still effectively have, you know, Jorginho kind of playing how he is, um, but have maybe a Conte next to him in the middle to allow us to, you know, not let play drive straight down the middle or you know expose us as we have um so i don't know i think to me uh, Jorginho will get his stick he has not played great but he's not the only reason that we're not playing well and i think um 
you know, that burden rests on both the staff, you know, the coaching staff and, and the entire team. Yeah. I mean, when you look at it relative to some of the other top teams and, you know, Arsenal is, is definitely been porous in, in defense, you know, they've conceded, um, you know, 37 goals, we're at 29, which is, you know, worse than Tottenham, worse than Liverpool, worse than City. Um, you know, United has been much better recently, but in the beginning part of the season, they, you know, struggled. Um, but we also have the least number of goals scored in the top six. You know, we're at 45. Everyone else is plus 50. Um, you know, Liverpool is close to 60, and City is up at the, the 74 range. And so if you're going to not concede uh, a lot of goals, if you're going to make it about defense, that's fine. Um, but then you need to, need to concede less um, or score more, and we're not doing any of the two in fine form you know if we were like liverpool last you know last season where they would win a game four three you know that that would be fine right um or if we were winning games you know one nil um two nil on the regular that would be fine too um but neither is being done right now and the system is being played to enforce the system versus winning um and working like we're working backwards from trying to implement the system versus working backwards from how do we win the individual match. And that is going to lead down to a self-fulfilling prophecy of what happens to Chelsea managers when they don't win consistently. And that is more just saying that as a reality of the fact that, you know, no one in the past couple of years has had a tenure more than two to three seasons. And it's not an indictment of sorry, but it's a reality that, you know, as long as he's unwilling to put winning ahead of a system, then he is going to write his own final chapters, um, you know, and more like a short story or a novella versus an actual novel, because it will not, he will not get the time that he thinks he deserves or fans might want him to have um, relative to what he thinks he should get, Brandon. Well, we're definitely going to have to see how that goes. Um <sighs> So I like I like this headline that we have in here is from at Paretsky eight saying, Where are we headed now? And then you've got Cruton McGregor saying, Chelsea have been declining for quite some time now. How low or how long before this collapses and hopefully rebuild happens at this club? Today is awful, but it can't and might get worse. And then at J6 saying, Is there enough support by the owner? to play the long game and not allow the volatility in the club to continue the sacking. Sorry. Uh, you know, I don't, I mean, so is it really, I mean, is the, is the basement that much lower from where we're at? I, I don't think so. I mean, I, you know, as we even looked at the table in the last episode, you know, there's a big gap between us and wolves, you know, dropping out of Europa league isn't a thing. So, you know, there's, and then you're only one point off fourth. So there's still a lot to play for. I mean, yeah, it was a terrible result, and there's a a rough patch of form lately. But I mean, I I don't think it's doomsday necessarily. Like blow it up and start over. And I think that Roman still supports the club, Dan. Well, so uh, the Roman issue is different, right? Because if you can't get a UK visa, you know, even though he now has one from Israel as is an Israeli, Israeli citizen to go into the country, he cannot actually operate on a business level. So that I mean, I'm not gonna touch that particular one but i think when you look at the reality of like how bad can this get and we've joked 
on this podcast multiple times about darkest timelines, right? And how worse this can get. Let's paint a picture where, you know, we, we fall out of Europa League. We don't advance forward in the FA Cup. We lose the Carabao Cup final. So you find yourself not having a trophy. And yet last two seasons, we won the Premier League and won the FA Cup. So, you know, we, we've proven with many of the same players that Antonio Conte had, we were capable of manufacturing the right results into, you know, in these, you know, cup competitions or cup finals that we could win a particular match. Um, you could lose Eden Hazard in the summer. You could see Calum Hudson-Odoi go to Byron. You can watch as we re-signed someone like William to a multi-year deal, breaking our 30-year policy. You could um, you know, continue with no investment and in upgrading very key positions, like if we want to play this style of football or any style of football, upgrading our fullbacks, upgrading our midfield, uh, you know, signing Higuain after maybe a bad spell of form could be another. Like this, this could get continue to get worse, Nick. Like I don't, you know, I I don't think it's beyond like it's not hyperbolic to joke that the darkest timeline can continue to get darker. And without a couple of key victories in the remaining part of this season, like the future is not rosy and bright and full of rainbows and sunshine. No, we, we've said this before. We're, we are not predestined to win the league every other year or to win a trophy every other year. I know statistically it feels like we've, we've achieved that as a club, but uh, the thing about competition is everyone else gets better. Uh, and, and if we don't, then we lose. I mean, I said this at the end of our, our first episode, but essentially um, change is inevitable. Growth is optional. Um, Manchester United have been through a rough patch recently where, you know, they didn't necessarily um, grow at the at the pace of other clubs in, in the top six and, you know, are frankly lucky to be in the uh, Champions League after winning the Europa League. We were lucky to do that in 2013 um, in a hotly contested final. Uh, this club has some serious thinking to do. I actually think the NBC, NBC coverage at the end of the match was really well done today. Uh, I think Rebecca Lowe, Robbie Earl, and, and Kyle Martino pretty much nailed it on the head. And I think Robbie Earl in particular said that, look, fire him. Fire him today. First of all, who do you bring in? You know, that's the next question the club has to answer. If that's apparently Blanc, that's what they want according to, do. to Twitter, boo, boo that. Yeah. Um, and then, and then, but his his point was all it does is just it's a te- it's temporary relief for a longer standing problem. Like if you keep taking ibuprofen uh, for a broken back, <laughs> you might temporarily feel relief, but you know it doesn't change the fact that you have to go get surgery. Like the the club needs to figure out what the hierarchy is going to look like. And sure. I think everyone after, especially after today is looking at how city have done it or, or even, you know, to a lesser extent, Manchester United have done it or even the way that Tottenham used the youth system in their, you know, in their squads since they don't go buy players. Like I think there are a bunch of different ways to go approach, you know, that your, whatever your, your program is going to look like. And I, I don't know what the right one is for Chelsea. Um, that's for the, the higher ups to determine, but you know, it, it does not appear and it has not appeared for some time that there is a plan there. And so, you know, growth, growth is optional. This club can either grow or it won't. And if it doesn't, then, 
you know, I think Dan's darkest timeline is truer than not. Yeah, and speaking of darkest timelines, I know in episode one you it got pretty dark, but I I think what. I think what's hurting us somewhat, be it on social media or expectations, is that sense of entitlement. And when you look at Jurgen Klopp right now, his first season, where did he finish? He finished eighth on 60 points. We're 10 points out with 12 games to go um, of, of sorry doing better than Klopp in his first season. And then he followed that up with a fourth place and another fourth place finish, right? Even Pep. Pep finished on 66 points. So there's still the potential that that Sarri could finish his first season with more points than, than Pep did with arguably what's not a better squad. And and I know that I think the hard the hard part is the looking forward and, and seeing any of that hope. But I think, you know, somewhat as we've discussed before, some of this is we have to, you know, we are – at a crossroads in which uh, the club is either going to invest the way that United and City do and just buy the best players possible, or we're going to have to give a manager and a, a system a chance. And I know that in this in this moment, it doesn't seem like potentially uh, it's worth giving a chance, but I, I do think that like for once we need to have some we need to have some caution. There, there's nothing better, you know, for all the people that are saying we should be playing a three-four-three. You know, a three-four-three got us fifth place last season. You know, these are the same players. They, you know, at a certain point, you know, it, it is we are who we say. You know, we are who we are. And 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 I know that Brandon made the the you know the mention that you know we're better than Tottenham, but I, I would say that if you were having to select a team. Um, there's not many players that we would pick on our squad over Kane and Erickson and Son. They have some legitimate world-class players, and I think we're lacking that. And until we um, re-up and get some more firepower into our squad throughout the squad, I think we're going to struggle. So I think I think you're right, Dan. It's darkest timeline because if we don't make a decision – then we're going to kind of plummet. And and I hope that the decision is a director of football and then a decision as to, you know, are we going to invest like crazy or are we going to invest in a system? I, I will say, though, to, to, to jump in real quickly, though, to benchmark ourselves or to benchmark Chelsea, which I would say has been, you know, the most successful club in English football, you know, over the past 10, 15 years, right? Like to try to benchmark against what's acceptable for Liverpool and their first season where Klopp has still yet to win a trophy oh, or City, which is, I think, very different from like a cash infusion standpoint. And uh, Pep obviously has shown that he is way more adaptable than Sorry in terms of what a preferred system looks like and how he will allow players actually, you know, some level of fluidity. He has a general kind of tactical plan, but allows them to go out and adapt as necessary or freelance when they need to like i don't i think applying those benchmarks to sorry is not i think painting the fullest of picture of you know that ultimately the the job remit at chelsea is different than the job remit at tottenham or liverpool and you know if you accept this job you have to accept it and go out and achieve in the fullest extent of what the expectation is and i i think it's wrong for us to be as as supporters to say like we are you know 
predestined to go win every game. Like I, I think that that is going to bring a lot of heartache and heartbreak to people. What I will say is I think we have been taught as Chelsea fans to feel that we should be vying for a victory or a win in anything that we're involved in. And what has happened is over the you know last you know you have twenty plus matches, you know we've seen an erosion of the identity of like what like Chelsea is supposed to be competitive. It's not necessarily that we're going to win everything. We probably should win something, you know, because that is just the history of where we've been. But we are not even like looking competitive against the top teams that we should say are quote unquote our rivals. Like our standard has slipped so much. And I think that's the more damning thing and the more concerning thing when you pull back and like actually try to, you know, look beyond the symptom for the root cause is that like we are comfortable right now with a level of mediocrity that we should not be like an old Roman Abramovich would have sacked sorry after this game. Yeah, but I don't think we're comfortable. I, I think what we're we're saying as fans and looking at something like financial fair play and saying, you know what, maybe maybe the old system, while it had some benefits, maybe it's limited to the effects that it can have long term. And and we're saying long term, you know, some other clubs are doing things a little bit better and and those are giving people a chance. And and I, again do I agree with you that yes, things are not looking great. Things are we're in a we're in a, a decline right now. But again, you can't say that what we're doing now is really any worse than where we were when we were in tenth. We weren't even competing to get into Europe at all. And and again, I'm not saying that what Liverpool's standard is is what we sh- we should be shooting for. But we have to. This was a rebuilding season. At some point, we have to rebuild. And and I'm not saying that the quality of what we saw on the field is 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 acceptable, but there's a certain point in which I, I'm tired of hearing people point to the 16-17 season, and that's pure entitlement of people saying, "Well, look what Conte did. That was a rebuilding year. He won the league. He also had a 20 goal, you know, striker. He had a lot of things that aligned that worked out really well for him, and then those things fell apart." In, in his second year. We, we have to, I think, from a business perspective, if we want to be a, if we want to be a top team in Europe, we have to build longevity. We need to become a, a club in which coaches want to come here, players want to come here. And I understand that that's, you know, that's anchored with success and, and being in Europe. Um, but at the same time, people have to have a chance to work a system. I just don't think that, Firing every coach after six months or a few poor losses is necessarily the answer. I think we are where we are because I mean Chelsea because of that. system though Chelsea system is about winning and if if the idea of trying to implement a counter system is counter to winning, then you know you're going to find yourself at odds. And so I think that there needs to and I know we need to kind of maybe transition on from this point, but. Like we need to identify, you know, is sorry flexible enough or willing to work within that idea and that construct. And if if he's not, like again, he will write his own story, and it's up to him to make the determination for what he what he wants his time at Chelsea to look like. Well, and you know what, honestly, like Antonio Conte, outside of Diego Costa, had wildly a very similar squad to what Maurizio Sarri has. So mine is, a, you know, a striker banging the goals. Like he did the business. In his first year, like all credit to Antonio for what he did. And 
I would be careful. I don't think Chelsea do rebuilding. <laughs> they just do uh, demolition and go again. Uh, I think that's kind of a thing. They don't like. I, I hear what you say. I just about long term and, and rebuilding and having strategy. Look, Mike. I just don't think the club's going to give it to you right now. Just the way they're at. I just don't think that's something that they're able to deliver. So look, we'll have to see what happens. Obviously, I think it's a bit of a crucial week. There's going to be a lot of uh, eyes looking in at Chelsea to see what, if any, changes are made. And we will be right here to cover that as always. Uh, I can assure you. But before we wrap up, we got to look ahead. All right. So as we talked about a little bit before Malma, uh, this week in Europa League, obviously it's going to be on Thursday because, well, only the big teams play on Thursday, uh, at least for this season. <clears throat> so I did my homework, guys. All right. And uh, I'm a little worried as we look at this head-to-head matchup, Nick. So uh, average age, tw- Chelsea are only 27.8. Malma are 29.6, so they're older and wiser. Not only that, Chelsea are averaging only 5 foot 11 and a half inches. Malma are 5 foot 11.8 inches. They're taller, they're bigger, they're smarter, they're older. We're done. Ship it. That's the homework and analysis <laughs> I did before this match. Yeah, so, of course, now, now I'm looking at the weather, too. The weather should actually be pretty decent in, in Sweden. Uh, it looks like... About 44 degrees Fahrenheit uh, as a high for Thursday. That's not bad. Bit chilly. Um, you know, but it's colder in Kansas City right now. Um, Let's not compare cities right now, guys. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you, you choose to live uh, north of the wall. Um, <laughs> so um, so uh, I, will, uh, I will defer to you on that. But uh, look, I think they're... This should be a win, right? Like we're not. You're so, so tentative. Shook. What the hell? Yeah, we are not. We are not so shook from today's result that this can't be a win, right? Like it has to be. We're winning. Well, we're winning. There you go, Mike. Confident as ever. Look, my my CEO was born in Malmo, so I have a lot on the line here, both in bets and and pride. So. I What's hope, the I bet? Hope. What's the bet between you and the CEO? Oh, I won't go into it, but um, we better kick the living crap out of these Swedish dudes. I nasty, huh? Yeah, yeah. This is um, especially with. If oh, my, go ahead. If you're out of work on Friday, <laughs> was that was that the bet? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, no, no. Luckily, not that point. But maybe I'll be CEO by Friday. So you know, we'll see. Oh, there it is. It's it's a big risk, big reward. Uh, but he's played the hand he's been given, and we can encourage that. Uh, Dan, we'll go ahead and refer to you for any type of uh, note writing that needs to be done. But I feel like there might be a lot of Chelsea fans that just maybe sit this one out and just going to watch the updates come in through social media or something, hoping that they don't invest time into something else that could end up being terribly wrong. Because obviously a lot of us that don't live um, you know, in those time zones find it wildly inconvenient to to get away from personal and professional duties to watch these matches. So... Uh, like I said, I think a lot of us are going to be watching with fingers across our eyes, uh, trying to maybe mask it. Because as you look ahead, you turn around, and four days later, Monday, Chelsea, Manchester United, FA Cup. It's it's there's no rest, there's no breaks uh, on any of this, Dan. It's going to come in fast and furious. Well, what I will remind people too is uh, you know for those with a significant other, you know that you would like to uh, maybe not forget it's Valentine's Day. During this match. Oh, and so you need a note for them. Smart. 
Yeah, yeah, that, that's what you really need. You need a note from your significant other. You don't need a note from work. You need a note from that significant other after <laughs> the the run of results we've seen that it's uh, a worthy investment of your time to uh, to break away from uh, maybe uh, any type of romantic duties to uh, take take care of watching this match. So maybe maybe one of them you just want to catch on the highlights. Maybe. Yeah, I predict. Depending upon where your relationship's at. Jeru Brace. Nice. That's what I'm thinking. Hey, nice. save it yeah. for the predictions. All right, come on now. You're jumping ahead of the gun. Doesn't mean we still won't lose, but I'm predicting he's going to yeah. score two goals. Oh, uh, yeah. man. If we score two and still lose to Mama, then that is sure uh, is going to be a problem. Uh, all right. Well, look, listeners, a huge thank you to all of you. You are the ones who really put together this second episode every week. Uh, without you, we wouldn't have all of the the topics to discuss and the questions. So a huge shout out to all of you on Patreon, all of you on social media, text, email, all of the ways you guys get in touch with us. Discord, obviously, uh, it's fantastic. Uh, huge shout out and a huge thanks to you guys. Um, but I think it's going to wrap it up. Is there anything else you guys want to sneak in real quick before that we might have missed or just you know to, to wrap up with? Uh, Mike, kicking it off with you. Um, you know, if you guys need to do something for Valentine's Day, I am leaving my wife and flying to New York for work. So I will be watching the match in the airport. So, yeah, you know, don't listen to Dan. Maybe just run away for a week and uh, beg for forgiveness when you get back, right? Uh, uh, well, there's that strategy, nice. Dan. Is that what you're doing? <laughs> uh, no, that would not be the, the strategy that I would employ uh, I will say that the Chelsea women drew 2-2 to Manchester City, and uh, I enjoyed Emma Hayes's press conference much more than Mauricio Sarri's press conference, where she talked about the fact that she was uh, gutted with the result and expected more. So, uh, yeah, maybe maybe Emma, can, maybe Emma can get a, uh, a shot in uh, if, if Sarri does find himself unemployed, because she has that fire and that tenacity and that uh, that winning way. With her football. She's talked about going into the men's game on one of the BBC podcasts. So there, there, there is that. But no, I think that might be a bit of a stretch. But we do love Emma and everything that the women are doing. Huge result for them. Uh, 2-2 is, is definitely a good result uh, against City, who are leading the line. Um, with, a, with a strong, well, not you know in first, but in a strong position on the women's game. But Nick... Uh, and you, and your final thought, your wrap up. Uh, yeah. And Tony Rudiger went over to the away fans today. Um, you know, I think to, uh, apologize for the performance and, you know, you've seen Chelsea players do this for some of our worst losses this season, uh, was confronted with some, uh, from what I could understand from the clip, some not so nice things, uh, said about him. And I think said about the team, he retaliated and and started yelling, pointing out one person in particular, um, and basically from from what, you know the eyewitness accounts uh, during this transaction of, of words, um, the person who yelled at him shut up, um, and you know we saw this with Maurizio Sarri, um, you know kind of having a mea culpa after the Bournemouth game to the person who was saying some incredibly rude things to him and all this other stuff and. Like I, I'm not going to tell people how to feel, but I think it is pretty obvious what, you know, how you can handle yourself after, you know, a tough moment. And, uh, you know, it, it's, it takes a lot of guts, I think, to yell at someone who is, is that physically imposing. Um, and uh, so, yeah, how about, how about we just don't do that anymore? I think that'd probably be the best scenario moving forward. Uh, that's fair. Yeah, we can definitely do that. Um, 
it, look, it is it is tough right now, um, and fans will most definitely explain, express their emotion, emotions as best as they want. Um, but man, it uh, I would hate to be doing my job in front of millions of people week in, week out. Uh, that is for sure. So we'll go ahead and wrap it up with that. Uh, again, Chelsea fans, just a, a huge thank you, as always, like I said, for listening. Uh, you guys are a massive part of the, the community we're trying to build. And so, again, just thank you. Uh, I'm sure we'll have more to talk about after after this week's matches, so we'll be back to bring that all to you. Uh, but until next time, Chelsea fans, you know what to do. Keep that blue flag flying high. <laughs>